We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What is going on, Roto Grinders? Welcome back to the NFL Pick 6 show. Week 9, one short of double digits. How does the show go down? Well, we talk. Yeah, I know. Get excited. We're almost halfway home with the the 18. Is it 18 weeks? Yeah, 18 week season. I forgot for a second. There's a bye in 17. Carry the one. My UCF math. As is always, joined by two of the absolute best fantasy football minds in the business, Rich Rebar from Sharp Football Analysis, John Daigle, NBC Sports, and from a good football show podcast. Daigle, what's going on? How are things in your world? Everything going well. A good week last week. I always enjoyed those late morning Sunday scratches as much as everyone hates them because uh, it's literally the most information we ever get. Like it tells us exactly who is going to play who. Like we knew DeAndre Swift then with only Jonathan Taylor $100 more on DraftKings and 600 more on FanDuel was then going to be like a great pivot off DeAndre Swift since everyone was going to play him without Jamal Williams. Same for Cordero Patterson instead of Kyle Pitts. So I love those scratches. And uh, we're at the time of the year, clearly after Wednesday's news cycle, that those scratches as well as other surprises are definitely just going to keep firing at your face. Yeah, it's important to say we're recording this on a Wednesday night and news has dropped. The news will almost definitely drop as the week progresses. Some people watch us live. Many of us watch us on the replay. So if we say anything, it sounds goofy. That doesn't make sense anymore. We record this on the Wednesday night. And yeah, I, I don't know about you, Rebar, but that's I what I'm drop. sticking to. Everything bad I say, I said just because it was Wednesday. Well, it things change. <laughs> it's fluid. Understand. <laughs> Check my opinion on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wish I didn't know about Jamal Williams not playing because I then had a ton of Swift and I went to a ton of Cordell Patterson uh, with the, you know, the absence of uh, Calvin Ridley. Hopefully he's doing well, wishing the best, obviously. Uh, yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's the information's great to have and like then there's variants and variants kind of screws things up and I would have been better off not having like 50% shares of uh, Swift last week. And, you know, that's just how it goes sometimes. How, how did your last week go? It was real solid. Uh, nothing special. I had one uh, cold stack that did really well. Uh, a Tannehill, Arthur, Juan Pittman uh, bring back that did really well. Uh, that, that got me some ducats. Cash line up hit. Uh, like you, I 
was in. I all week I lied Daryl Henderson set and then I swapped Daryl Henderson DeAndre for Sunday morning. <laughs> and, uh, still survived because the lineup was still good around it. But yeah, those plays never work out, man. They never work out for me. <laughs> and then I moved off of some Godwin on DK and I'm like, well, what am I doing? Like, you know, Godwin on DK and the Evans versus the Lattimore thing or whatever. And Godwin's just the nuts. And yeah. oh, you know, I did it then. I had some because I played it a lot of minis of like Claypool Chubb. So I started to, I had to get off Godwin to try to chase like Sutton and it didn't work out, but Hey, that one lineup was good in the cash lineup hit. So we'll take it. We'll move on to week nine. The, I, the pivots cleared out uh, Rams onslaught for me. Uh, the only issue is Rams onslaught did not include Daryl Henderson. So uh did not work out since I had three of their pass catchers instead. Yeah. DJX. Hopefully he wasn't on that onslaught. I imagine he wasn't. He probably had Jefferson though. right? Uh, oh yeah. Wait. Jefferson, Jefferson, uh, Higby to pay up at tight end. The issue is even in like trying to get sneaky and pay up. And we have a situation like that again this week, like 500 to 800 more, uh, when the cheapy tight ends hit like the vintage old DFS days, like you just got to have those guys and say, screw the chalk. Like Dan, Hig- go ahead. Is, is Higby now redacted? Like, can we cancel Higby finally? Like, can we finally, can we finally get, get over this hurdle? I don't know if I can. can. He's playing too much. I don't know if I can. Like he, he, he hasn't had more than 45 yards in a game. Like we gotta, we gotta I think pull the plug eventually. <laughs> I'll tell you this, the benefit of this show, we talked the main slate. So we don't have to talk about Higby. We don't have to talk about uh, Adrian Peterson uh, on a bye, mm. Detroit, Seattle, Tampa, Washington, the Thursday night game, the Jets versus the Colts. That is a classic. That's a classic Thursday night showdown. Uh, Sunday night, Tennessee versus the Rams. We're not going to be breaking that down. And uh Chicago versus Pittsburgh, not talking about. Of course, you feature the main slate. Do you guys happen to have a take, anybody, as far as uh, Peterson? Uh, I'm just for like showdown purposes. I mean, I'm sure I'll be playing the showdown slate. And does anybody have like an Adrian Peterson take as far as Tennessee? Is he gonna is he gonna just jump right in there and like be the guy or for 15, 20 carries or how's that gonna go, go down? Or go ahead, I'm sure Daigle's done a whole like 17 podcast on it already. <laughs> That's if if I don't record enough, I'm also asked several times to do videos on Adrian Peterson. Uh, no, I, I legitimately think Adrian Peterson is an awesome pickup. Uh, this week, if we're doing short-sighted with the Titans, the Rams, terrible matchup. Obviously, Adrian Peterson's still trying to get back in shape, expecting him to be active, but we don't know. And the Rams can obviously force the Titans to pass. But beyond week nine, uh, if you look at the Titans schedule the rest of the way, they actually have the easiest projected schedule for the remainder of the season. They haven't even played the Texans yet. And so they get them twice. And so every game script sets up well for Adrian Peterson to just slug around for 15 to 18 carries. So even though I even wrote in the waiver column, like Nichols is a better play this week, long-term, uh, I think we should be blowing our fab on Adrian Peterson. Wow. What a world in 2021. Sure. Why not? Let's do it. Uh, how, how this show goes down. We feature three main games, talk about our three favorite games from a DFS perspective, talk about it all different angles, and then we'll kind of run it back Give our favorite plays at each position uh, among players that we did not feature in the three games. It's a weird, it's, like, it's not like you had a take as far as an onslaught this week, Dago, so might as well fire it off. And I'm just curious, like a general overview, because, you know, the best game on paper uh, for the slate, we kind of lost with the absence of Rodgers that the total dropped from like, what, 52, 53, 54. Now it's down to 48. The biggest total on the board in 11 game slate, main slate is 50 as far as Chargers in Philadelphia. Did you have like a general overarching thought as far as this slate? Because we're not seeing that eye-popping game right now. You could still onslaught the Bills if you would like to. 
Um, also the dolphins are there. If you want to pay down at quarterback, just in case everyone like is still smelling the stench of them against the bills. But remember that two average just over seven yards per attempt against the Jaguars and Falcons in two games prior. And it's an amazing situation again for a dolphins passing game. That is basically not even trying to run the ball anymore since Tua returned 42 yards per attempt. I'm blowing my quarterback plays already actually, by the way. Uh, but no, so it's just between that and no really expensive running back we're looking to pay up for. Uh, one, one I guess we'll talk about here in a minute when previewing the games. But without Christian McCaffrey again, most likely, I guess we'll see what happens. Um, also in a tough spot without Derrick Henry. It, it is just a, a unique slate where there's only one onslaught and then the highest scoring game, Chiefs-Packers, like you said, sort of got taken away from us since the Chiefs also, um, we'll talk about them when we get the positional plays. Yeah, I'm really curious what you guys think of, um, you know, <laughs> We have Jordan Love at 4.4K on DK, which maybe 6K on FanDuel. <laughs> yeah, which I'm not sure which one is more useful. I don't, it, it's kind of probably the on. four, I would say, because just because FanDuel, their pricing compared to the other positions, it's harder to, to, to pay down. You know what I mean? It's easy to just say, I cannot play $9,000 Cooper Cup and I can play 6K T Higgins versus I'm going to forego 9K Josh Allen to play 6K Jordan Love. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, the full punt, like, you all of a sudden, now I can get Cooper, Cooper Cup not in the slate. Now I can get Derrick Henry not in the slate. Uh, now I can get Devontae Adams. Oh, boy, his quarterback's <laughs> Jordan Love, the guy I'm considering playing at quarterback. All right, before we break it down uh, as far as our three feature games, I, I threw it to Dago's way. Did you have anything, Reeves, as far as, uh, like, an overview of this slate? Any, any general thoughts? Um, no, I think it's, I think it's solid. I think it's, it sets up to be fun. I like that this season I think has been a fun DFS season. I feel like we really haven't had a lot of like 40% plays like through, through eight weeks of the season, you know? And I think that that makes DFS a lot more fun when the, the, the roster ship and ownership is flatter. Uh, and there's a lot more variance in terms of lineup construction. I think that that makes it for fun every weekend and it allows people to do different things. And, um, I think it's been a solid year for DFS in, in that, in that light. There's pretty much only been one rule, and that's play Cooper Cup. And I think I've broken the rule five times. So that's been the <laughs> issue this year. But, uh, so you know, good. Cooper Cup is like the one constant in our world right now. He just keeps on churning more fantasy points per game than Derrick Henry still. Yeah, the, the meta has kind of been for roster construction this year uh, has been to play like a, a, a cheap RB2 and hope they get in the box. Uh, and that's kind of like where we've lived in terms of roster construction. We've seen a lot of successful wide receiver flex builds uh, on both sites. It's not, a, we haven't had that jam them in uh, season this year, which we always like. No one just wants to just go in and say, I'm going to play the two best running backs, build a lineup from there. And then we'll all play like our three versus threes. And, and there's been a few like luck box results that you needed to have on DraftKings to really pull it in. But really like the con roster construction has been pretty constant of um, actually being intelligent. FanDuel as well. Like at the beginning, the first couple of weeks, I thought, okay, FanDuel, you're just a pick them game. Like, I don't like this. But the way it's worked out since touchdowns uh, involve so much variance on FanDuel in particular, they can bring you closer. You can even luck box your way there. Like, you don't even go scrubs on FanDuel, really, since you can fit all the All-Stars. So it actually is pretty fun on FanDuel this year as well. Yeah, I talked to Mike Leone about that today, just about how the pricing on FanDuel, you know, it's easy to kind of bristle at it being loose, but it also has made it so the roster ownership's just flatter on FanDuel. Mm -hmm. And, they're, you know, they're, you end up with non-chalky plays all over the board, which makes it fun. It makes it fun. It makes DFS fun. You guys talked about a cheap uh, RB2. We're going to be talking about Miles Gaskin, aren't we? That, that, that's going to be a point of contention in our conversation <laughs> this week. 
he checks all the boxes in theory. Reeves mentioned uh, Michael Carter last week, and after Devin, after Tevin Coleman got scratched again, it was a pretty like obvious play that I just didn't even come close to seeing on my board. Um, but yeah, like that's one that he was up there in every winning tournament pretty much uh, because it was very easy to fit him. Like Reeves mentioned the cheap RB two, and then also get your Carson Wentz, Michael Pittman, uh, Jonathan Taylor and AJ Brown stacks in one way or another. First game on the slate we're breaking down is Minnesota at Baltimore. 49 and a half is the total Baltimore six point favorite Daigle. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson. I run my apples before the show. And again, it's on a Wednesday night. So take that for what it's worth. But, and I cap it at 65%. Nobody can be in the wrong lot at more than 65%. I want to see a shuffle. I want to see different names and you know, you know, hit at 65%. No surprise. Uh, Lamar Jackson is, is, it looks like the, you know, he's going to be the, the cash game at quarterback du jour this week. You know, it's Wednesday night, but that's kind of what it's shaping up. And I assume they go, you like Lamar Jackson. Like, why wouldn't you? How could you not? Uh, Minnesota's pass defense is actually ranked highly in loads of advanced stacks, EPA, football outsiders, et cetera, that I respect. But their secondary has literally just been dictated by their competition. Like they were great against Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, and Sam Darnold, but against Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, uh, Cooper Rush slash Kellen Moore, however you want to phrase it, Sunday night, uh, they didn't have a chance. And so that's really all it's been. And this year, Lamar Jackson is averaging six more pass attempts per game, 32, than his previous career high of 26 from two seasons ago to go along with 10 and a half carries per contest as well. So overall, like it's the volume and it's just a team we expect to increase their pass play rate out of the bye since very clearly uh, they're hanging on to the 2010 all-star team and can't run the ball efficiently beyond <laughs> Lamar as well. Do you like any of these running backs? Like any, are anyone playable? <laughs> no. Uh, before the bye, remember Latavius Murray didn't, was a DMP on Wednesday as we record this. Maybe he plays, but before then even, we saw Devontae Freeman get seven touches, uh, Tyson Williams get four, Le'Veon Bell mix in for five as well. And so they'll just continue having three activated every week and giving all three touches. Like unless some euphoria happened, like they looked in the mirror and said Tyson's our best player clearly, um, then they are, I don't expect a role change at all. Having said that also, there's like a little bit of hand in the dirt theory that if they are more of a passing team, it actually makes the most sense to not play Tyson as much as I love him, as good of a player as he is, because he's their worst pass blocker as well. So like, I'm fine with it as long as they're not running the ball. It's okay. Just give it all to Lamar. That works too. Jumping in Reeves, I assume. Well, feel free to say you like Jackson as well. If you have anything to add on, by all means, go for it. <laughs> Who is your favorite receiver to pair with them? Uh, Marquise Brown, uh, the home run hitter, uh, and Mark Andrews has been pretty solid all season long. Bateman still pretty cheap around there. He's been all right since coming back. Uh, your thoughts as far as the, the reception guys for Baltimore? Yeah, I think Jackson's a really good cash gameplay, and I think that there are a lot of reasons why you can come under in tournaments. I think that there's definitely an outcome here where he doesn't hit. He's had a really high floor, but he's only broken the bank twice this season. Uh, the offensive line is still really bad. He's getting sacked on eight and a half percent of his dropbacks. Uh, it's the highest rate since his rookie season. Uh, Ronnie Stanley, obviously out for the rest of the series, not coming back. Minnesota's really good at getting pressure with their front four. Now, Daniel Hunter is out for this game. Now he's on, on short-term IR. So that helps him a lot. But Lamar Jackson under pressure this season, 48.4 completion percent, uh, seven yards or pass attempt. Uh, as opposed to 71% completion rate and 9.3 yards or pass attempt uh, when kept clean. So that's been a big deal. Offensive line, still a problem. Lamar has not really been able to access his ceiling 
because of that in certain games. It was a real problem in the Cincinnati game uh, when people were on him from the same results that you were on. So there is an element here where if the Vikings get home like they have been without blitzing, because they don't blitz at all, uh, they're just 16th in pressure rate or 16th in blitz rate, but uh, first in the NFL in pressure rate. Uh, so if you get home with four, that's a problem for any quarterback. Uh, and it's been a problem for Lamar Jackson this season. So I do think that there is an out where this game could come under uh, and he can underwhelm as well. Like he has, and like I said, he's only thrown more than one passing touchdown in one game so far this season. Eventually that will probably regress, but uh, you know, there, there is still that, that element where he's not giving you those 30 point games. Um, so yeah, I kind of like that. I mean, if I'm pairing him with anybody, I'm just going to pair him up with Hollywood still, uh, you know, Dale kind of hit upon the, the Viking secondary uh, they're giving up splash plays when they give up plays. They give up, they're giving up big chunk plays. Um, 20th in yardage allowed on targets over 15 yards downfield. Uh, so, I mean, that's where Marquise Brown has lived the entire season. You know, the, the air yards king. And he scores touchdowns, which we love. Getting back to last season, scoring touchdowns. No problem with Andrews if you want to go to him as well. Uh, with those guys, Bateman, I'm probably not going to get there in DFS. I think he's fine if you want to flex him out. But if Sammy Watkins plays, who, how does the target tree shake out? I know Marquise Brown is going to keep getting targets. I know Mark Andrews is going to keep getting targets. Does Bateman and, and Watkins, you know, do they cannibalize each other at all? I think that's a gray area. Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of where I am at the Ravens. They're pretty easy to diagnose. Uh, so that's, that's where that lies. Dagle, a little bit of the Vikings for us. After a letdown spot, I think it's a pretty good bounce back situation on paper, at least for Cousins, assuming the offensive line can block. That's really what it's going to come down to because Cousins has been lukewarm, just fine against the blitz this year, averaging just over seven yards per attempt, whether he's been blitzed or not, um, which we expect to see Ravens of week Martindale do since they do have the fifth highest blitz rate in the league and have sent the house consistently against everyone but basic, but Patrick Mahomes, basically. Uh, Ravens have also called a man scheme on 40% of their defensive plays and Cousins is pasted cover one in particular for eight and a half yards per attempt on 72 dropbacks. So a good situation. Uh, I don't know if the primetime narrative had anything to do with Cousins' uh, extremely poor performance against the Cowboys. Um, like I said, Cousins under pressure this year has been a disaster, less than four yards per attempt. So that probably went into it as well against the Cowboys' front seven. That is a pretty much a nightmare. But overall, yeah, I can see uh, Cousins having success in this one. Reeves, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, Cousins, you know, seems like more of a tournament play, obviously. Uh, you're going to pair him with uh, Jefferson. You're going to pair him with Thielen. Conklin is a guy, by the way, that kind of sort of is hitting some optimals on DK. Yeah, he'll be popular. Himself. He'll be popular on DK. He's 3K. Uh, everyone will look at the, you know, remember we started the season where like everyone's like, oh, the Ravens suck against tight ends. And you're like, <laughs> well, they played Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, TJ Hawkinson. Like, let's just put a pause on that. And then. You know, yeah. they allow C.J. Uzoma to get there. The Colts tight ends kind of mash them. Uh, Jared Cook has a tight end one week against them. So it's just like, all right, well, I guess, I guess we're just going to stick with this thing. I think he'll be really popular on DraftKings uh, for sure because uh, he's had some targets too. I mean, like he had seven targets last week. The week before, uh, he had 70 receiving yards against the Panthers. Uh, Dale kind of hit upon it too. You know, you, you know, get these man coverage situations. It's very similar layout to what Cousins had against Carolina. Uh, very similar kind of, you know, the scheme isn't exactly the same, but a blitz heavy team, a team that's going to live on man coverage and allow them to make plays. Cousins has been terrible against pressure, but if it doesn't get home, then he's, you, you know, you, that's how you get the big plays. We talked about when Burrow played the Ravens a couple weeks ago, because uh, Justin Jefferson has absolutely mashed man coverage so far this season. Oh, two, two yards per route run difference against man coverage and zone. And then Thielen also uh, the, the same way. 
has been really good against man coverage. So, I mean, it, it sets up similar when you think about getting pressure and leaving your good playmakers in one-on-one coverage as when he played Carolina a couple weeks ago. And if remember that game got weird at the end, but if the Ravens can score points early on like Carolina in that game, remember Darnold, that was the game where everyone dropped passes. Darnold had like that ridiculous, like 40% completion rate. Uh, but then like there was like a, a punt, block for a touchdown there was like a safety there's all kinds of weird stuff in that game it ends up going to overtime cousins hits kj osborne on the touchdown uh but if there's a little more back and forth here early in that game you can see some potential fireworks here where this game could shoot out i mean you can run cousins with a double whether you like conklin or both wideouts. you can bring marquise brown back you bring mark andrews back there's a lot of ways to kind of get at this game if it gets there now obviously there's a Anytime the Vikings are involved, there's a chance like it also just ends up being 17-14, but that's why it's tournament. That's why we go tournament route. That uh, Panthers game and the Cardinals game are the only two games Cousins has been blitzed on over 30% of his dropbacks this year, and he had six touchdowns, no picks, and a 69% completion rate in those games. That's a nice little nugget. Uh, So Dalvin Cook, when you compare him against the the other running backs on the slate, uh, Eckler, Kamara, similar price point, Elliott, uh, Mixon. Where, where is he, Dagle? Is he, is he kind of near the front? Is he near the back, somewhere in the middle? Just a tournament dart? Well, what's your thoughts as far as Cook? I'll be curious to see what he comes in at because if he becomes like a player everyone's going to roster, then uh, I could see myself leveraging off the passing game for all the reasons we just talked about. But if not, and we think that the Vikings um, will be competitive or take a lead here, then yeah, of course, I, w- I would love to play him. We've seen like healthy now and the game before the bye and the game after uh cut our cook has handled 49 touches of 56 alexander madison despite having that 150 plus yard outburst in his spot start prior has only seen seven total touches the past two games like if cook is healthy and he's healthy they're just going to ride him to infinity that's all they're going to do so i could see myself like being okay i'll just take the 25 touches if he comes in under rostered but right now i would just like to see where ownership goes by the end of the week you got anything else in this game, Reeves? No, I mean, yeah, Dalvin's pretty interesting because no one's really even trying to throw on the Ravens uh, the way they're playing defense. Uh, they have the second highest uh, pass rate outside of the Buccaneers, and they've been same same route. They've been really good. No running back has even rushed for 60 yards in a game against them on the season. And Dalvin Cook, the thing that sucks is he's not catching any passes. Man, He hasn't had more than two catches in a game since week one, uh, and that's what we would want against you know a team like Baltimore. So, I mean – if he ends up being really low, obviously it's Dalvin Cook. He can have a good game against anybody. Uh, but this has been kind of a spot so far against the Ravens where they've been a very Tampa Bay Buck-esque uh, in terms of stopping the run and forcing to be teams to be kind of a pass funnel uh, against them. So it's something to kind of you know look out for in terms of maybe he doesn't he can hit but doesn't give you like a thirty to have a ceiling week. Yeah, that's a good nugget as well too. So Dalvin Cook probably not the play. Uh, of course, in tournaments, yada, yada. But yeah, I, that's kind of where I'm at as well, too. Uh, game number two, the Chargers at Philadelphia. Uh, 50 as far as the total in this game. Philadelphia is a one-point dog here. We uh, we finally saw what happens with Jelly Hurts. Jalen Hurts can't get fantasy points in the fourth quarter. Oh, boy. And then st- I don't know who stacked the Philadelphia running backs last week. Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. I just saw somebody in chat to talk about Jordan Howard week. What up, chat? Do it the like button. Subscribe. Turn on notifications. All that good stuff. Thanks for watching. Uh, along live with us um man geez uh reeves so this should be a good game it's uh, it's expected to have the absolute most plays uh, i looked at the cardi's uh you know Derek cardi the blitz this this game is projected at the most plays of any other game this week 132.6 that's at least three more than any other game 
we still need the fourth quarter for Hertz in theory, unless, you know, I can't imagine that Howard's going to get two more rushing touchdowns and Scott's going to get two more rushing touchdowns, <laughs> but I suppose anything's possible. Start to start with Hertz if you don't mind, and feel free to throw that running back. I don't want any part of that nonsense. Maybe I'm just being stubborn. To to be fair, we we deserved last week for Hertz. You know, we had, we had snuck so many out. <laughs> uh, you know, because you, you're facing the Lions, a great matchup. He still runs for the 71 yards. They score over 40 points. Uh, he actually had carries inside the 10 and chances to score. He got tackled at the one yard line twice. Uh, Jalen Rager got tackled on a jet sweep that was both counted as a passing touchdown at the one yard line. And then it was a rushing cut. Like we deserved it. Like, right. Like we did. We, we sucked so many out uh, yeah. that we deserve that to happen. Uh, but you know, uh, this is a tough nut, not the crack though here because on both sides of the ball, uh, because this is, you know, we talk about the Chargers at nauseum, the type of defense they, they play, and they just don't give up huge plays in the passing game. And Jalen Hurts has been really bad against zone coverage so far this season as well. Uh, very similar layout to a couple weeks right before the bye when he played the Raiders. Very similar matchup, uh, except for the Chargers blitz more. They don't, they don't rush four like the Raiders do. Uh, and Hurts was a disaster in that game. I mean, 52.9 completion rate. Uh, it was the second lowest rate of completed passes he had this season. Um, but then you need the late game production and rushing projection to get there. So what do we get? It's, it's kind of a grab bag. Um, I don't think that we'll need to really necessarily worry about game script as much of what we had in the Lions game going forward. Uh, you know, the Eagles are still 21st in the NFL in offensive snaps with a lead, even counting that whole Lions game, uh, just at 28%. Uh, they're still fifth in the NFL in rate of snaps trailing. Uh, it's not like I believe this team is is really necessarily like good moving forward, especially against good teams. I mean, they played the Lions. Uh, so, I mean, you're going to have positive games tripping against the Lions a, a lot more often than you're not. So I imagine that Hurts, I don't know if there'll be some flop lag with him or just people won't be able to figure <laughs> out this matchup of what to do with him. Uh, but I also can't figure out what to do with him. So maybe Dagle can help me out. Dagle? Well, <laughs> so let me explain the backfield and then get back to Hurts because – What's happened now is that, remember, in weeks three through five, they average eight and a half carries per game. Uh, again, Nick Sirianni has no idea what he's doing. He's just throwing darts at the wall, hoping they stick. And then now we've seen the past three games, they have morphed into a run-first team, leading the league in run-play rate and neutral game script. And so, like, Kenneth Gainwell, it actually wasn't surprising to see him phased out this past week because how often the Eagles, a bad team, are going to be able to pad a 30-point lead, like a two-score lead throughout the game. That's not Kenneth Gainwell game script. And so just in having success and running the ball so heavily, um, Boston Scott out-touched Jordan Howard 7-0 in the first quarter, 9-4 in the first half. And then, of course, Kenneth Gainwell came up to mop it up with 12 of his 13 touches in the fourth quarter. I would imagine they want to at least start this game running the ball. But then the question becomes, does Justin Herbert pounce on that? The Chargers build like a 10, 14 point lead and then no longer can the Eagles run the ball. And that's when we get the wheels are falling off for Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts just, you know, that kind of game script is how he succeeded in the fourth quarter every week. So I think it's an interesting game. And um, I would expect the Chargers to at least be able to put up points. And thus that makes it good for, for Jalen Hurts for us. Well, the Chargers, I'm seeing Eckler uh, pop pretty early this week. Uh, did pull up the Roto Grunders tool, defense versus position, uh, DK specific. I imagine it's the same for Fandle as well, or at least close enough. The Eagles have allowed the second most uh, fantasy points per week, uh, 
to running backs. Number one, it's equal too. It's, I mean, they're 28th in rushing points allowed and 28th in receiving points allowed. Well, and that's perfect versus Eckler as well. And that's the guy, you know, you can get it both ways. And, but just want to point out the Jets, just how bad they are. 37.29 is the worst. The second worst is 30.57. That's how distinctly different. That's so bad. I mean, obviously, there's some game script involved there too because, you know, they're just kind of hammering. Uh, All right. Uh, Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Eckler. Let's talk about the Chargers offense. What do you have for me, Reeves? Yeah, I mean, you kind of just let it in with Eckler. He's expensive now, but it's warranted. I mean, since McCaffrey's been hurt, he's kind of the closest thing we've had to McCaffrey in fantasy uh, this season. So he's not quite, he's not quite Christian McCaffrey, but we've kind of been living that road. I mean, he's been a top eight weekly scorer now in his past six games outside of the Baltimore debacle where no, nobody got there. It was just, the offense was just a, an absolute shit show. Uh, so outside of that, we've been getting there with Eckler. So, I mean, the price hike is warranted. He's really expensive, but I think it's warranted. He's actually a little bit more of a deal on DraftKings, or he's 7'9". Uh, so you get a little bit of a, a, a deal there, but he's still the third highest price running back and really the second if McCaffrey doesn't play. Uh, I think it's interesting here because we don't know, like we like Herbert now, we start to see like, I don't know if it's just like a rookie wall because it's different schemes now have given him problems. You know, the Ravens, he's been, he's had trouble against the blitz all season and Eagles don't blitz it at all. Uh, they actually blitz at one of the lowest rates in the NFL, but then the Patriots didn't blitz him at all last week and just sat back and played zone. He talked about after the game, uh, all the looks that they gave, uh, they just gave him problems. Uh, he was having a lot of fits. Uh, the Eagles have also kind of, uh, they play a lot of zone, but now they've started to incorporate like Darius Slay also playing a lot of man coverage inside of, inside of the zones and shadowing receivers. Two of his past three games, he shadowed a receiver. Uh, he didn't have to shadow anyone against the Lions because they don't have any receivers to shadow. Uh, but he did shadow Mike Evans, and he did shadow Henry Ruggs in the two previous games. And Mike Williams has been – we start to see now as the samples built out the season, he start to be a little matchup sensitive. Now that we have – we take a look back at the teams he smashed against and where he struggled. And there is a little bit of lineup uh, in terms of matchup sensitivity for him. He bricked against the Raiders, who have been one of the best teams against the deep ball. And Casey Hayward's been awesome. Uh, and he bricked against the Patriots, who I, th- I don't know if we talked about it. I was on another podcast that talked about it last week, where they're, <laughs> they're number three uh, against outside boundary receivers on the season as well. Um, and then the other week, week was the Ravens game where he played hurt he didn't practice at all and came in so we'll see I mean we flesh out this sample but it it might be that like we locked him into being an alpha wide receiver but he might still just be uh come with a little volatility more than we said so like a a high boomer bust wide receiver two type uh and so if Darius Slay shadows him in the boundary he's not going to shadow Keenan Allen he doesn't he's not going to go into the slot uh it'll be interesting to see if he can overcome maybe some of that uh you know matchup based sensitivity that he's had and what we've seen from the Eagles and against opposing receivers uh, have only allowed the third fewest catches to that position. But one, they're facing the fourth most carries per game because teams not named the Lions have had success against them. And two, those receivers when targeted are are still averaging 8.9 yards per target and nearly 12 yards per catch. So although they're not seeing the targets, they are having success when they do see the targets. So uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, we talked about why we weren't playing Mike Williams last week, but we were playing Keenan Keenan Allen. Um, Yeah. Both of them seem viable. More importantly, Keenan Allen. Just an interesting note. And I don't even know. I don't even know what to do with this stuff. It's small samples. It's always small samples of football. But uh, the Chargers and the Eagles, these two teams are two of the bottom three teams as far as yielding fantasy points to wide receivers uh, this season. 
Is that what's the style of we said it's a style of defense? Yeah. We talked about the Chargers a lot, the style of defense they play. Uh, a lot of light boxes try to invite teams to run. You don't give up big plays, you make teams have to kill you with paper cuts, right? The more drip plays they have to run, the more opportunities a team has to make a mistake. And the Eagles are the same way. You know, Jonathan Gannon is from, you know, that Matt Everflus, uh, you know, um, Steve Spagnola tree of guys too. So like, he's going to play a lot of, you know, they play a lot of Tampa too, uh, a lot of over the top coverage, they, and it's, but teams against the Eagles have like a ridiculously high completion rate because it's more cover two based uh, and their, their linebackers aren't good at all in coverage. That's why you see they suck against uh, tight ends uh, and you see some of the short intermediate passes are what gives them trouble. They just don't want to give up the deep ball. Uh, and same thing, like I said, the chargers play a different style of defense, but it's predicated on the same principles of not, wanting to give up one play touchdowns i'm uh, i'm looking at it now I'm like like right what you said as far as tight ends they're both bottom four as far as yielding mm-hmm. fantasy points to tight end so that all kind of that all kind of lines up i don't know who they played against and that kind of stuff matters too obviously if we're playing against conklin or we're playing against kelsey maybe kelsey's a bad example this year but you know what i mean somebody like of his ilk uh i don't have to tell well and, yeah well, i mean the uh the on the other side the eagles like you know you look at they face some good tight ends that haven't done much against them like uh, you know, Travis Kelsey and, uh, you know, but then you look at Foster Moreau gets six for 60 in a touchdown and OJ Howard six for 50 in a touchdown. So there's some red on their ledger too. That isn't exactly uh, the the top upper echelon of tight ends. And, you know, some might let the Jared Cooks, the world find the end zone. You can also Just, tell Dean that uh, you've emerged from your optimizer and have been hanging around us too long because now you're asking questions on questions you're like i don't know if it's conklin or kelsey but you're starting <laughs> to piece together you're starting to realize that there is no answer to anything that's the, that's the <laughs> yeah well I, well I thought you guys were experts man you guys are supposed to know hey we told you not to play mike Kosecki last week you should just took <laughs> that that is true they took that take that and run man and now no one's run. gonna play him so now we get to play him this week oh <laughs> uh, yeah i mean he's supposed to be a good play against houston we'll talk about that game soon enough the whole dolphins game is just gonna be a complete tilt fest they have one of the biggest team totals on the board i think at 26 and change uh we got anything else they go as far as this game or shall we move on that's about it. Uh, that was the second selection for us, for me, because I thought it was a really fun game to break down. Uh, I, yeah, it's I a really tricky one. to hear Reeves' thoughts on Chargers, and I think I learned everything I needed to. So, yeah. I want to get you guys' thoughts on Cle- what a mess Cleveland is. Uh, Odell Beckham's dad is, like, releasing mixtapes on how bad Baker Mayfield is, uh, which I'm here for. I'm not a fan of Mayfield. I don't like Beckham either. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the Cleveland area, Reeves. What's, what's going on there with, with Beckham? And I assume – He's either released at this point. He's not playing, right? Yeah, he's basically uh, probably not. We're going to play it down for the Browns again. I mean, I don't leave my house. I don't listen to the local radio or anything. So I don't really (laughs) know, have like a great pulse on like how people are going crazy. I imagine like the the general pulse around here is like the sky is falling because, you know, obviously the Browns are supposed to be good and they've been been injury riddled and haven't played well. And if they lose this game, uh, particularly they're in a world of trouble. Uh, they have a ton of division games left, but obviously when you start losing division games like they did last week, then that's when things start to snowball into the danger zone. So this will be a pretty big one. These teams though, like last year and it's last year, it doesn't always roll over, but like they played two like amazingly high scoring games last year and uh, Odell only played one of them. I mean, the, the second one was when he got hurt four plays in the game and towards ACL, but they scored 65 and 71 combined points in the two games that they played, we have seen the Bengals be a little bit opponent driven in terms of defense. Although, you know, they didn't, they decided not to blitz Mike white and just let him paper cut them to death. Uh, 
I mean, obviously we're not going to get to playing Baker Mayfield. Like we're just, it's a, it's a bridge too far, but I could see a scenario where the Browns offense is a lot better than people believe it is just based on what we've seen on the field uh, because the Bengals have given up production um, and this game could be fun, man. I mean, it could be, it could get, this could be fun. I'm glad he chose this one. Cause I think there are opportunities. Uh, we might not play Baker, but you know, Jarvis Landry, when you look at his splits with Odell Beckham out of the lineup the past year and a half, uh, 26% of the team targets uh, in those games. We saw in week one, uh, Odell didn't play and he had five for 71 and a rushing touchdown. He's really cheap because they haven't been doing anything. And he's come back and had 30, he had 32% of targets last week, 25% the week before. Now you remove Beckham from the, the picture. He's, he's playable with your bangle sacks easily. Undertaker.gif, Donovan Peoples-Jones, is he, is, he possibly, uh, 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 is he possibly a thing? Like, by God, it's Donovan Peoples-Jones. Shout out to people who listen to us week one. There you go. I think, it, I think it was mentioned on the week one week one podcast. I think it was week two. But uh, that, that didn't work out for your boy. Uh, 47 total, by the way, in the game as far as Cleveland and Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a two-point favorite. Uh, why, why did you pick this game, Daigle? Did you want to talk about DPJ? Uh, it was not DPJ. <laughs> I, I think it's an interesting total that we are seeing continue to increase at sports books uh, for the, for what Reeves mentioned and just having each other's numbers last year and going over their totals both times, but also the Bengals have recently taken the Bucks crown for facing the most opponent pass attempts per game. Um, also going back to their old ways and now throwing at the league's highest rate and neutral game script since week four. And so I just think there's a lot of sneaky juice in here. And on the other side of the ball, even if we can't get to Baker Mayfield, uh, Cincinnati's strength on defense has been the run. Like Aaron Jones tagged him for 100, but they held Dalvin Cook to 60, Najee Harris to 40, James Robinson and Michael Carter last just last week under um, 80 rushing yards on the ground, even though both had over 20 touches. Where they are getting exploited, though, is defending running backs out of the backfield because even in stuffing the run, they've allowed 10 top 24 performances, 10 RB2s this year because they've allowed nine more receptions than the next closest team to that position. Nick Chubb is interesting because even though he played his usual 56% of snaps last week, he did record a season high 71% of backfield touches alongside Dearness Johnson. Dearness Johnson got there with a run inside the five, also handled three of five backfield targets, but I would argue that is Nick Chubb's floor. And that was his first game back from in reserve. So like, even if you get that from Nick Chubb, I think it's fine, but there's really like some volatility because it could go even further. And maybe he handles 80, 85% of backfield touches like he was doing a few years ago without Kareem Hunt. So I think he has a sneaky ceiling in this game that you could like skinny stack with the Bengals passing attack or just have in general here. Reeves, yeah, I mean, Chubb, about the, uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, so yeah, and Chubb's one of those guys too, like, when you look at it from a matchup based perspective, like we never really have to like over like account for that with him. Cause one, we know the Browns are going to run the football a lot and they can be successful running against anybody. And Chubb like Derrick Henry is one of those guys that's a power back, but is one of those elite like distance runners, like can get you a 60 yard touchdown. Uh, so if you want to run minis in this game, like you can even do, even if you're not stacking this game as a, as a game stack with like Burrow, uh, you can run a, a variation of, of all kinds of minis in this game. Uh, you can play Chubb with either Higgins or Chase. Uh, if you're running Burrow with a double, you can bring Chubb back. Like I said, you could play Jarvis with the Bengal side. Like there are all kinds of opportunities here uh, to get at this game if it ends up being one of those games that has um, exceeds expectations like they did both times last year. Is there anything you're seeing as far as uh, defensive tendencies? Uh, you factor in the price as well, too. 
uh, as far as Chase versus Higgins. Higgins, I know, is popping on the uh, the air, air yards model. Shout out Termsmeyer. Uh, do you have a preference or it's just like, you know, make multiple routes? Well, the Browns have been absolutely horrendous against wide receiver ones this season, like the lead wide receivers, uh, boundary wide receivers. Um, they've 27th in receptions allowed to those players, 30th in receiving yards per game to those players, 30th in touchdowns allowed to those players. Uh, we'll see if Denzel Ward's going to play. I don't really, Denzel Ward's not a guy that I'm really concerned about whether he plays or not regardless Higgins is starting to get uh, the the oscillation of his low a dot that we talked about on the show a couple weeks ago uh, you know last week 17 uh, his average depth of target was 17 yards downfield uh, he's gotten seven targets uh, on throws 15 yards or further downfield the past two games after just one prior so we are starting to see him get some some larger opportunities downfield uh, which helps he's going to be popular again I think people are going to keep chasing Higgins. I'm probably going to play him a lot too. Uh, he's just really cheap on both sides. Like it hasn't caught up yet because the production hasn't been there. Um, but yeah, I like both guys. I like them both a lot. You got a thought here on this, uh, Zagel? I haven't really toy with Joe Burrow yet, but I, I think it is one of those situations. Like we always ask in life, uh, how do we win <laughs> if we win? And so like, rather than playing a skinny stack, I wonder if Higgins and Chase, if they're both good plays, maybe I say, okay, like if I'm, if I'm going to win with one of them, what if I actually win the most with both of them and uh, double stack Burrow with Nick Chubb run back. So I, I need to play around with fits more, but on Wednesday, I could see myself definitely like going overweight on this game. If it still doesn't come in on the board, because even when I wrote it down and sent it to the email with you, we've explained why we love it. But also I thought like that game sucks. Like it's the Browns and the Bengals who cares, but it is like, I think there's a lot of juice here. Yeah, I think Higgins is going to end up really popular. And it's Wednesday. These things, we don't have projected ownership really out yet. But 5.3 on DraftKings, and I believe he's 6.3 on FanDuel. That is going to be uh, pretty enticing for a lot of people, like it was last week, to kind of bring back again. Uh, even though he didn't quite get there. He was, what, three yards shy of the bonus last week on DraftKings. Um, and eventually he's going to have one of these games where he, he, he catches a touchdown again, too, because he, he lives in the end zone. And like Daniel said about the Bengals, the Browns, like the only thing they do good is stop the run. It's literally the only thing that, that they're done. 3.6 yards per carry allowed to running backs. It's second in the NFL. 9.1 rushing points per game allowed to running backs. Uh, so we're going to need Mixon to stay active as a pass catcher. He's done it two of the three games, uh, you know, the last couple weeks since he hurt his ankle. So we're hoping that it stays kind of sticky for him. Because he was a guy like Dalvin Cook, like early in the season, it's like, all right, well, you just catch one pass a game. Like this is going to be really tough living. So hopefully that stays sticky here. The what we've seen, you know, him against the Lions from last week, because uh, the Browns are really good against the run. So I ran my optimals. Uh, I locked it in at sixty-five percent, and it's really interesting the discrepancy from site to site. T. Higgins, one uh, percent of a uh, Fanduel lineups, thirty-eight percent of DraftKings lineups, uh, and I think we're seeing the inverse as far as yeah, so we have Mixon at 6% on DK. I think he was popping on FanDuel. Yeah, he's 7-4 on FanDuel, which he'll probably – that'll be enticing for a lot. 65%. He, he hit the cap on FanDuel. So, like, he's hitting the cap on FanDuel, not really, you know, in like 5%, 10%, whatever it was in DK. Uh, yeah, just sort of interesting how that goes down. You guys talked about – He should easily be matchup. over 8K there. Yeah, that's just the wrong – that's the wrong price at 7.4K. Because, I mean, Aaron Jones is 8.5. He's a full 1,100 cheaper than Aaron Jones. And the workload is, I mean, he's getting a lot more rushing work. And, I mean, yeah, they should be a lot tighter. We got anything else as far as this game, boys? That's it for me. 
All right, we're moving on. We're going to break it down game by game. Before we do that, we want to talk about Jock Market. Stop throwing your money away. It's time to check out Jock Market. It's the app where daily fantasy becomes a stock exchange. You buy and sell shares of players in real time for real money. Download now for a 100% deposit match up to $50. Use the promo code GRINDERS, G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S. Also get this, if you do not turn a profit this week, Jock Market, they're going to cover your losses in your very first event. Download Jock Market in the app or play stores or check out jockmarket.com. That's J-O-C-K-M-K-T.com. And again, use the code GRINDERS for a 100% deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit. All right, uh, Diggle, you were firing off some of your quarterbacks you like earlier. And it's interesting, again, Wednesday, some goofy things can happen. There's a chance we might get a P.J. Walker. We were, we were going to get a Jordan Love. We might get a Taysom Hill, which, you know, that's always interesting. 7K on Fandle, 5-5 on DK, potential oh. rushing bonus there. Maybe Ty got his back. It's, there's, like, no clarity on a Wednesday night. What are your thoughts? Who's the most interesting name amongst that bunch when you factor in price? Uh Ty God, not the most interesting. I'm just leading off a spiel. Uh, Ty God would make Tua really interesting. Um, Josh Allen's going to be interesting no matter what. I think also the Patrick Mahomes situation is interesting because it's it's still the Chiefs on a main slate with four teams on by, and we're not even talking about them after what happened last week. Like they had eight days to get it right, to, to fix the embarrassment that was that Titans loss. And what they did was basically turn Patrick Mahomes into Mike White. And we saw them do that over the second half of the season, move Tyreek Hill around more, do more shallower passes. But it was that on Monday night, minus any of the excitement and explosiveness. Uh, a season high, 77% of Patrick Mahomes' passing yards came after the catch. His 15 completions at or behind the line of scrimmage were the most of any quarterback in a single game since 2016. They just took all the pop out of the offense. And so, like, they beat the Giants. They won doing that. But against a competent opponent, I do wonder, like, if they could even play winning football if they continue doing that. So I would like to see where Mahomes and Josh Allen come in. But either way, I think Josh Allen is the superior play here in this matchup. And then, yeah, Taysom Hill really quickly. Uh, We saw last year three QB1 performances and four starts. Also, the eight and a half or nine carries per game, 28 and a half pass attempts per game with some rushing juice as well. So, yeah, we have a, a lot of quarterbacks on the board here. All right. Uh, it's really tricky. The, the Mahomes thing, comparing him to Mike White, good Lord, man. That's that's harsh. <laughs> oh, man. It's, a, it's harsh to Mike White. He's amazing. I'm told he's very good. He was the best quarterback <laughs> in all of football last week. Uh, yeah. What do you have me, Reeves, as far as thoughts and those names that were throughout there? And the whole thing with Mahomes is like now, like what do they really have to do against Green Bay? Like who knows what you're going to get out of Jordan Love? Um, like if it was I mean, Rodgers – the defense is still trash. I mean, part of the yeah. reason why we've seen them uh, do take that approach, if you, is it was the, it was, they had the most clock control they've had. Like they, they're trying to keep that defense. They're trying to hide that defense a little bit. And maybe them adding Melvin Ingram, uh, at least, you know, it helps. I mean, Chris Jones already moved back inside last week. So uh, it definitely allows him to stay inside and play on the interior to kind of try to help them out as much as they can. But we've seen them really try to control the, the clock in that game which you really don't see the Chiefs really try to do, but they don't want that defense on the field. I mean, the first quarter of that game just blew by. Each team had the ball once. They had like a seven-minute drive, and they threw the interception, but then they got it right back on the Daniel Jones interception. But, uh, yeah, they were really trying to, to hide that defense. Jordan Love played all right. It's just in the preseason, he, he did, for whatever it's worth, he did all right in the preseason. You know, he completed just under 70% of his passes, uh, just under eight yards per pass attempt, I and mean, grain big-time grain of salt, but – you know, he's got a year under his belt. He's, he's familiar with the system. They're getting, they're going to be as 
healthy as possible. David Bakhtiari back, Devontae Adams back, Marcus Valdez getting back. You lose Bob Tunyon, but all right. Uh, so, I mean, they, they, he does have some weaponry against a bad defense, and they're going to have to score points. I imagine that we will see the the combination backs of A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones a lot, but, I mean, it's, it's capable. Like, we see these quarterbacks that make their first career starts, and Mike White's a great example. Uh, <laughs> last week, you know, the, these games get undervalued, right? Like, in the lines move too much in one direction. These teams either end up being more frisky than people expect or they end up uh, covering. My boy, Cleve T.A., uh, who have done work with a lot a couple over the couple of years is highlighted this all time. Like rookie core, not even rookie quarterbacks, first start NFL quarterbacks uh, have actually been really good bets over the past, you know, four or five years uh, in terms of against the spread. So this game could still end up being a lot closer than people think it will be just because Aaron Rodgers is involved. Now we, we'd love for Aaron Rodgers to be involved. Um, it just, it just adds a little bit uh, spice of volatility to it, but I don't think it's impossible that Jordan Love can at least be functional here. Everyone against the chiefs has been good, except for Baker Mayfield. And he's still two for 300 yards in that game uh, and Taylor Heineke. So it's like, there's still opportunity here uh, to be had. And I do think that the Packers coaching staff is relatively intelligent and they have the playmakers to be good enough. Devontae Adams already, we have a sample of him playing without Aaron Rodgers too, playing with Brett Hundley and he was fine. You know, uh, you know, he, he averaged 15 and a half PPR points per game playing with Brett Hundley uh, five catches, you know, for 60 yards per game in those six complete games. Uh, so he can still be functional as well. I'm not going to pay that price for him in, the, in this game, but it's, it's still a hit uh, a, a matchup where Devontae Adams uh, is a major asset and, and is going to be uh, have an advantage over the chief secondary. I'll be interested to see where their roster percentage comes in at the end of the day, because like, if it is a position where, I could see everyone scheming Jordan Love because he's so cheap, but then also we need to remember that he is so cheap and thus everyone's going to build the same way and pay it for the same players. So that gives us a way to be contrarian to pay up for different players. Also, like if Patrick Mahomes then becomes under roster because everyone's trying to build the same lineup, that would become interesting as well because like we already mentioned Josh Allen and uh, it was more or less in the second half what Josh Allen did. Like they only had Josh Allen at 80 yards in the first half against the Dolphins, 122 yards of offense for the Bills, uh, were three all. And then they changed to more of a quick passing scheme just to move the chains, get the ball out of the hands of his hands in the second half and that's when they put up all their points I do wonder if that was just because they were a little sluggish out of the bye and needed to get something going and if that's actually going to be a case against Jacksonville we can't pressure the passer uh, I, I mean I could run down all the numbers but it doesn't matter you know Jacksonville is bad like that's all you need to know I mean you saw Geno Smith like tag <laughs> tag them with Tyler Lock and DK Metcalf that we talked about last week by the way because they're so poor and so um yeah I'll be interested to see where everything comes in because a Bill's onslaught is possible pivoting off a Bill's onslaught to Zach Moss and getting on to Patrick Mahomes and double stacking him or just going to Tyreek Hill uh I'm wondering if everyone's going to play Travis Kelsey since they think he's pretty much dead even though he still leads every tight end and targets reception yard, receiving yards and receptions and so yeah it's just a I'll be waiting to see where everyone comes in at and that's really going to dictate what I do here I'll be surprised if Mahomes is popular I can still see Kelsey and Tyreek definitely especially no Cooper Cup and Tyreek's been getting there but people are just either at the salary where he's a below Josh Allen where you can just pay up for Josh Allen or just play Lamar Jackson who's going to be like Dean said he's going to show up in every optimizer this week uh, I will be surprised if Patrick Mahomes really gets a lot of ownership. It's the first time in his career he's had back-to-back -back games as not a top 12 fantasy scorer. Wow. Yeah. And like that, like I saw him celebrating after the game against the Giants. And it's like, yeah, you won the game and good. You move on the next week. But like, it did not seem like a game you should be celebrating. It's they were celebrating the Giants headsets broke and uh, <laughs> they kicked the field goal at the five-yard line. 
the, the Giants were at fourth and one at the three or whatever it was. Let's kick a field. That's how you beat the Chiefs. Is you kick field goals at the, the three yard line. That's, uh, that's how the Bills tried to beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship last year. Turns out you can't beat the Chiefs that way. Yeah. Um, Tyreek's going to be popular, by the way. We'll talk about him yeah. soon enough. Seven nine on DK is about as low as we've ever seen him. And eight five on Fandle, pretty good price, too. And the, the tricky part with, um, you know, with rostering Hill uh, or with rostering, rostering Love is, again, there's no Cooper Cup to pay up for. There's no Derrick Henry. There's no, like, this is the nuts. This guy's going to give me 30, and that's why I pay the way up. Of course, there's our players. There's guys like Hill. There's guys like, guys like Kamara. But, you know, uh, I'm just curious how that's going to affect a lineup construction. And, you know, it all sort of depends on how things, the chips fall all the way up to Sunday. Because, again, we're recording this on a Wednesday night, and goofy things do happen. Uh, Kyler Murray lost A.J. Green. Uh, Hopkins, who knows what the story is with him. He's kind of hobbled. I don't think anybody's rostering Kyler Murray. Just interesting. Like it, it's Kyler Murray. Nobody's going to play him as far as I can see on a Wednesday. Any thoughts? I'm not going to play him. Yeah. Is it because of the injury <laughs> because of lost pieces or what? Is it all that combined? Yeah. I mean, he's going to have a hurt ankle and he's already not running to begin with. So it's just going to make his margin of error so much tighter uh, compared to other quarterbacks that are that much in salary. Uh, and the 49ers actually played really good against them early in the season. So uh, he's just not gonna. I, if he beats me, that's so be it. If if everyone was healthy, like this game would have been on there. Uh, we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo like average thirty eight attempts the past two seasons against in three matchups against Kingsbury and Murray. Forty uh, ers like have their number. These games are typically high scoring. I believe they've averaged a combined uh, fifty three points per game in those contests as well. But the issue is there's so many injuries among both teams that it's just hard to pinpoint. Like really, especially for the Cardinals, who's going to be scoring points for them? Did you fire James Connor, <laughs> James Connor, Wendell White, James Connor somehow will get three touchdowns on 20 rushing yards. Is that the old Titan, Wendell White? Is that how it was? Did you just dust off? I mean, a- J- James Connor is just eat, eating touchdowns uh, up right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Uh, I thought I just got a flashback to a guy that used to play 15, 20 years ago. Maybe I heard you. Wasn't like your running back name? Is that your referencing, Wendell White? Yeah, yeah. When him and Chris Johnson played uh, the Titans backfield. That's who it was. Yeah. Maybe it was less than whatever. Who knows how many years it was ago, but definitely that was a USC, uh, U- USC alum, Wendell White. Represent. Uh, did you fire off your Tua take? I know we kind of t- uh, touched on it there, Dagle. Did you happen to give uh, all your thoughts as far as Tua? And now he's officially the quarterback, at least till the end of the season in Miami. There's some job well, security. That was pretty much it. Uh, you know, he's been competent, like I mentioned, and against the Jaguars and Falcons. And we consider the Texans to be in that level, if not a tier below. And so it's just a great matchup off of one that we expect him to struggle with. And he he did just that with just over five yards per attempt against the Bills. Not surprising at all. So uh, I do wonder how he's going to come in, especially if everyone can just say I can pay down for Jordan Love or pay up. Um, I wonder where he'll fall. But yeah, I, li- I like Tua and I like Tua double stacks a lot since you know what it's going to be. Um, well, it's two of three guys. I guess you don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> but I wonder where Jasicki will be at the end of the day since we expect him to struggle against the Bills. But prior to that, he was right behind Devontae Parker in targets. And then we've seen Parker also get at least seven targets in every game this year, um, lead the team in targets in that span, still leads the team in end zone targets. And so, yeah, uh, and Jalen Waddle, of course, is going to do, you know, on DraftKings, Jalen Waddle things. He's going to have 12 catches for 12 <laughs> yards and call it a day. Uh, boy, since we're on Miami, let's pivot the running backs. And uh, I'm curious to get your take as far as Miles Gaskin. Uh, 6.1K on Fandle, 5.8K on DK. Um, you know, I think he's going to pop. It depends on how, again, now things kind of fall throughout the week. But, you know, running back versus the Houston and, you know, monster favorite. Well, seven-point favorite. That's monster for Miami. I can't remember the last time they were a seven-point favorite versus anybody. Uh, they go, is Gaskin uh, somebody you trust this week? No. Uh, because with the league, 
with the lead, are they going to run the ball? Like that, that would be the question. Um, Miami actually leads the league and pass play rate with a lead this year. And so I would just expect them to hammer the gas and still pass the ball with the lead. So if everyone's going to play miles Gaskin, like stacking him with Tua, I can get there. Um, but like staying a little piece of the Dolphins, there's no way in hell. Like, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. Reeves, you got a thought there? I mean, if it was ever going to be a game, this would be the one. But, yeah, I mean, it's hard to get there. Because even last week they brought Patrick Laird uh, off, you know, to play 10 snaps, uh, you know, in kind of with Malcolm Brown being an R. And he, he's out there, too. Uh, they just don't really trust their running games. They really can't run on anybody. But if there was to be a game, this would be it. What was the nickname for Patrick Laird? I can't remember. That was floated out there the last couple seasons. Uh, oh, geez. You guys. It's it. Uh, Overzet calls him our Laird and Savior. I know that. Yeah, yeah there it is. Okay. Overzet yeah. and Omatic were, you know, they had him on a podcast. It was a whole thing. Yeah, he seems like a good dude. I think it's still, I think it's still a thing. Davis probably has his jersey hidden away somewhere. <laughs> uh, other running backs that are popping for you, Reeves, who else do you like to sleep? Uh, who do we like? Um, who do we bring up, Ray? Well, we like Eckler um oh i like ezekiel elliott uh i I mean i don't know if anybody else does i assume people do but uh i do like elliott he's you know he's coming off of you know 20 touches last week only 73 yards it was his lowest scoring week since week one um but you know we get them uh as as a favorite against the broncos team that is what 16th in rushing points allowed to running backs uh we've seen them really be they've had a really light schedule too as well uh, but we've seen the nail out 142 yards to Najee Harris, uh, 168 yards to Dearness Johnson uh, over their past four games. And then they mixed in games where they allowed 158 yards to the Raiders backs and 193 yards to the Washington backs uh, combined last week. There was some receiving for the Washington backs. Uh, but I do like Ezekiel Elliott there. I, I feel like just people don't like to play Ezekiel Elliott. I don't know if I'm, how right I am on that, but I feel like no one ever really likes to play Ezekiel Elliott. Pollard's lurking. But, uh, but I do. Uh, I like to play Ezekiel Elliott, and I like him here. I think he this game represents two uh, unique stacking options, too, in minis because, you know, we won't get to Teddy. But if you look at the two games that Denver's allowed 24 or more points this season, Teddy Bridgewater's thrown 38 and 49 passes in those games. Uh, like Mayfield, like we were not going to get to Teddy, but it, it also that, that kind of passing volume makes guys like Sutton and Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick and Albert O., uh, this week, if we if Noah Fant doesn't get off the COVID IR, then Albert O is going to be really interesting because we saw when Fant was out and there was only one tight end to play, or when Albert O was out and Fant was in, he ran a pass around 87% of the team dropbacks. So we might get Albert O basically at min price on both sites in a game where the Broncos are going to have to probably throw 40 plus times. And he's, he comes with big time touchdown juice. I mean, last year, he and, and just his limited role, he had six end zone targets. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I, I like that this, I like this, the, the opportunity this game presents as well. Yeah. He's what 4.5 K uh, on Fandle. I think two, six is a little bit more appealing on DK. Just kind of the way, you know, lineup construction works. Um, yeah. I, I just can Denver keep up as sort of my thought process. And we're not talking about receivers just yet. We got a prettier price on Cooper as well on Dallas. We're assuming Dak is back this week. It's not official, but that's the assumption, right? Yep. But, All right. Yes. But, uh, we, we don't have to assume, though, that they're going to, as we've seen time and time again, uh, they will pass the ball when they need to, but they will not be forced to. And so if it makes the most sense, and it does, like even just looking at basic items, like uh, being two-score home dogs or home favorites indoors, 
um, at home. Like that's that's a terrific spot for Zeke. So I actually don't think even if Dak is back, it'd be a passing attack here because the Broncos would have to force that. I hate rostering Eli Mitchell, but like he's clearly the guy in San Francisco. I just like I want a guy that can catch a football, which is kind of a problem. I'm sure he's capable. They just don't give him any chances. Um, you know, especially on DK, but the DK price is pretty good at 5.8K. And if you get the you get the hundred yard bonus and just you know, get in the box, who cares? You don't catch any footballs, right? I suppose that's how that goes down. Uh, seven one on Fanduel, just better as far as the scoring system over there. Uh, you have a thought on him, uh, Daigle, as far as uh, Eli Mitchell. Anybody else you want to throw into the conversation? Kamara, uh, he's kind of sort of somewhat interesting for me. Mm-hmm. He's um uh Elijah Mitchell's fifty eight hundred again, or is that last? No, week? he's fifty eight on DK. He's seventy one. Oh, okay. seventy one. I was saying 5,800 was last week. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I was like, wait, they didn't do that. Did they really? Okay. That makes it a little tougher because it is a, an awesome spot. Clearly um, Cardinals. That's how you attack them. Anyway, it's been on the ground all year. We saw like even the Packers go with that method and giving AJ Dillon a season high 16 carries and also get Aaron Jones involved in the ground. So yeah, I would imagine that would be the case. And even if we don't get some pushback and it's like Colt McCoy instead of Kyler Murray under center, I think uh, it's pretty obvious the 49ers is going to run the ball successfully and go with Elijah Mitchell here. I also like Damian Harris. What we've seen is the Panthers offense more or less fall apart. And if it's PJ Walker under center, like we've also mm. seen him come in for a few reps and throw two picks. And so uh, like Patriots defense, I know you got to pay up for him, but Patriots defense, Damian Harris correlation is pretty awesome, especially because Damian Harris is when you look at his box scores and game logs, like they've just been a little wonky because, you know, two weeks ago he got injured, came off the field. Ramondre Stevenson got a, got a touchdown in his place, even though he did score one before he got injured. Uh, two weeks ago, then JJ Taylor came in in garbage time. Harris only had 16 carries. And then uh Jake Taylor had seven touches in the fourth quarter on the last two drives when they were padding their lead. And then last week as well, just to finally see Damian Harris have over 23 carries in a competitive game. Um, Yeah, I think we'd see a lot of Damian Harris here. Also, Zach Moss for me, if we are trying to leverage off the Bills passing attack, we saw Moss used in the quick passing game along with Cole Beasley in the second half against the Dolphins. I don't know if that would continue this week, but definitely touchdown or bust. Plus like a pretty much James Conner with more touches, the rich fans, James Conner. And like, that's how I would leverage Josh Allen if I don't play him. Yeah. I saw one of the beats today speculating that it's going to be Walker. It's most likely to be Walker instead of Darnold for, for Carolina. And yeah, that could be ugly. Uh, New England defense can be kind of sort of somewhat interesting in a small sample. I know Walker was good in the XFL, but you know, NFL kind of a different. Well, he only, he only threw to the right. Like over 70% of his passes were completed on the right side. He was Jalen Hurts. Like he didn't look to his left ever. So I, I, like he was XFL good. It's all it's all relative. That seems like a bad tell for a quarterback. I'm not a, a defensive coordinator, but that seems like a bad thing. You gotta you gotta get rid of that if that's that's not, a true thing. Not when uh, you're not when you're a defensive coordinator at XFL. You really can't see anything. <laughs> uh Reeves, you got anything else as far as running backs, or shall we talk about some receivers? No, I will just say from a galaxy brain level that if Taysom Hill does play that coming off of a concussion that I would expect him not to be like as run heavy in like short yardage situations Uh, that could be wrong. And maybe they just don't care, but I would uh, my galaxy brain take would be that him coming off the concussion would impact some of his uh, vulturing uh, tendencies. Fair enough. Uh, Oh, before we do receivers, they go, we have to have the weekly, uh, the Silva segment. Uh, We we teased it last week. There was a cliffhanger. Uh, you talked about how Silva, uh, roughly three o'clock in the morning, give or take, had 36 pints of ice cream sent his way. Uh, how many of those uh, pints are still standing? Have you done, have done an ice cream count uh, of late? Or do you think it's um, it, There's just, I think it's about half, a little over half. 
uh, I think Blair or, or the, the, the kid, because it's been Halloween clearly as Reeves knows, uh, your kids go out and they just bring all the candy back. And so like, she's been having a great time with the candy and ice cream, pretty much a kid's dream. And uh, because he of course is just downstairs writing matchups and he's not stopping anything that's going on in this household. So she's just living upstairs, living her absolute dream. But uh, what is, what is a good story? There's always just something that happens. Um, I guess on Saturday, he was gone to the Notre Dame game. Uh, DraftKings gave him tickets. Nope, not oh, sure nice. if I'm supposed to say that, uh, but it's probably because he's lost so much money live betting tennis at two in the morning. And <laughs> then, uh, so he had so many, like so many people come over to fix the basement because what had happened, it flooded because of the rain. Like these, these homes in Chicago were built in like 1920, 1930. The foundation is very old. And like some spots started happening under the carpet. He was throwing towels on them. I said, you can't just throw towels. It's like Big Daddy, whenever like the kid peed and then Adam Sandler <laughs> put the newspaper down. Like it doesn't work like that. You actually have to clean it up. He's like, okay, Diggle, I'll get somebody. And so uh, he got like four people to come and inspect everything. And at the end of the day, like one just looked at me because he's not in the house. He's just away. I'm just at home like doing work still. And then uh, one just looked at me and said, like, he said, this was a small problem. I goes, yeah, he probably thinks it's a small problem. And they go, uh, no, this is like, this is the biggest problem we've ever seen. Like, you have oh, to call boy. the city. You have to get this wall replaced. You have to do all these things. So right now, there are some very kind people working on it downstairs. Also, he's recording, like, an episode of Move the Line with our four for four friends. And so, like, we're also stealing bandwidth from one another right now. But basically <laughs> what happened is that I was told to stay here because he's out and people are coming in to look at this small problem. And then every person that came in said, no, this is an utter disaster. And you got to call the city to get like the gas shut off because we oh. may need to cut the pipe off and then seal the wall to the streets because the pipe goes that far out and your whole freaking basement is just flooded. So that's what we're dealing with right now. It is looking very good. It's looking significantly better now that the kind people have fixed it up. But right now the basement is a disaster. Man, that sounds miserable. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, yeah, that's a... Uh... Not a good time for sure. Uh, seamless segue to our receivers. Uh, <laughs> seamless. Well, what do you have for me, Reeves? We talked about Hill already. Uh, I mentioned Cooper being pretty cheap. I'm not even going to mention uh, Robbie Anderson. I even looked at his price. Like, did, did he ever get his target? Oh, he did get a target, and then he got blown up, right? I remember that play. Yeah, they pulled remember. the plug on that for us. They put us out of our misery. Oh, man, I don't want him to get hurt. I don't want anybody to get hurt. But, like, yeah, that was that was rough to watch for sure. Uh, what do you have for me as far as receivers this week? And we covered most of the ground, play any Bills, any Dolphins you want. We covered the Bengals guys, Jarvis Landry. Uh, we covered Mar Marquise Brown. We covered uh, – who else did we miss there? Nobody. I, I – Cortland Sutton I like still uh, going back to that torture. Uh, so that pretty much covers most of the ground. I will say the only guy that really is kind of jumping out to me right now in terms of price is Kadarius Tony. Maybe yep. this kind of weird weirdness of what he's going on with his hand and – um, his terrible tweeting habits uh, ends up, you know, maybe helping us out, but he's so cheap on both sides. If he ends up being, you know, kind of really involved, I mean, he'll be uh, an easy guy to plug into lineups. What happened there? He was in and out of that game. I was on air. We were doing a show. Well, he so. was limited to start because of the, the ankle injury, but then when all everyone died, he had to, they had to start playing him more. And then he got cleated. His hand got stepped on. Uh, and he tweeted a picture, I think of his hand today. Uh, and what it looked like. Uh, but he's 5-2 on DraftKings and 5-7 on FanDuel. Pretty damn cheap. Uh, yeah, that's, especially because it looks like Sterling Shepard, who was obviously earning targets, team high in targets, until his injury, 
Uh, we've seen in two games without Shepard, Tony has averaged a team high 28% target share um, and 11 targets per game in those two contests. So like Tony's at the top of my list if he's healthy, because I, I'm pretty sure it sounds like Shepard's a long-term injury. And so I think, I don't think we're going to have him for a few weeks, especially since the Giants buy is after this game. So I like Tony quite a bit and you can skinny stack him with, you know, Hunter Renfro, who I think will be the replacement for Henry Ruggs or uh, Darren Waller, depending what we see with Travis Kelsey and like Albert O's ownership, since it's probably going to vary whether someone wants to pay up or pay down all the way down. You got anybody else on your list as far as receivers before we knock out some tight ends? Uh, you know, Debo Samuel's really good at football. If we get some pushback from the Cardinals, I think that's interesting. Uh, I also think it's interesting that Brandon Ayuk, so maybe one of them, uh, we saw season highs. Not only well, Kittle's going to play, right? Kittle is going to play. Do you think Kittle like? Do you think Kittle soaks up a lot of targets, though? Is that crazy to ask? Who the hell ever knows what's going on there? That's what I don't. <laughs> that's what I don't know. We're getting um, a discount for that name, by the way. Six K on Fanduel, five two on DK. Like assuming he plays <laughs> and assuming he's a full go, I think that's interesting, right? Once upon a time, remember tight ends were a thing against Arizona every single year. Is that still a thing? I don't think that's still a thing. Well, no, so, they've dra- they've drafted nothing but athletic linebackers like since, yeah. since that point. Yeah. Okay. But remember, now, now they're linebackers. Run. Now their linebackers just miss tackles. They can cover. They just miss tackles. Um, Dan, I was just more saying it in line for the. Uh, I mean, I assume we don't believe Devo Samuel is going to have a thirty-five percent team target share like forever. Seems high. Right. Uh, and then Brandon Ayuk's been so Jekyll and Hyde in terms of they're jerking him around, and the targets were fine last week, but there was no upside still really present for him. Uh, and with Kittle coming back, I mean, it's just it's it's tough to navigate. It's just really tough. I, I would, uh, and I would only play one of those receivers if we get Kyler and Hopkins. We may not get either. So it's probably all Rosalie back to Elijah Mitchell, anyways. Uh, Kyle Pitts up and down all over the place. Matt Ryan, he got his hand stepped on. He's got a bloody finger. I, I think he was wearing a glove the rest of the game, but he kind of you know, went to, mm-hmm. he, he didn't play very well the second half. I almost, uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. I was going to be, I was going to be meaner, but I, I had way too much pits and I way too much. I had a little bit of gauge too. I got to fess up. That did not work out for your boy. Oh boy. What are we doing? Rostering? Did Russell Gage ever get his target or even a he pass bonus? He yeah. did not No, Cause he's well, Russell Gage. He's still waiting for it. He was on the field. He, he had to be exercising, right? I oh, yeah, there's in. cardio. Cardio is oh, had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. He got his reps in that, 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 That's good. That, yeah. Um, but like, Pitts, uh, you know, in theory, there's a ceiling. You know, obviously, with the absence of Calvin really, there should be some balls thrown his way. Um, you know, he had a rough week last week, but we've seen it a couple times now in tight ends, a position where you can clearly separate yourself from the group. You have yourself a big week. Uh, are we excited about Pitts at all? Do you guys think he's an interesting tournament play, or, you know, it's just he had his run and now he's going to be somewhere in the middle of the last couple of games? Who wants that one? I mean, he's capable. I mean, it's one of those things we've seen him. Now, uh, we've seen him twice be shadowed by opposing cornerbacks when he lines up uh, not in line. It was Stephon Gilmore last week. I've seen Adoria Jackson do it earlier in the season. Um, and, you know, he's, he's really just playing, you know, not outside. He's really playing in line. 42% of his snaps are in the slot. 32% are out wide. Uh, so put those together. That is basically a little bit when you do rounding up, up to 74% of his routes are you know, outside. So it's, you know, that, that now with no Calvin Ridley, I mean, he's going to get attention. Now he's good enough to still win. We saw him beat Zayvon Howard the week before for a deep, you know, a deep target. So uh, there's still definitely going to be weekly upside. It's just probably just going to be volatility, uh, you know, involved. 
Anything else here, uh, Dago, as far as tight ends? There's still some meat in that bone for Dan Arnold. 3-4 uh, on DK, 5-1 on Fandle. I think 3-4 is kind of sort of somewhat interesting. He's getting targets. He, well, not, not only getting targets, but he's run He's run the uh, – oh, he lasted a week. He ran the second-most route for the Jaguars as well. Uh, we're probably expecting more garbage time again here against the Bills. Um, Bills have – covered the tight end well um it seems like whack-a-mole as well like who trevor lawrence is going to ultimately target like jamal agnew the past three games without dj shark it actually leads the team with a 20 percent target share but it's jamal agnew so he doesn't have a ceiling he just morally he more or less has a catch floor uh his so yardage yeah. in this game is just hilariously bad <laughs> it's so bad we did have a 78 in there but like last week he had 38 yards on 12 targets like yeah. he's uh, closing in on tyree kill <laughs> robbie anderson <laughs> Um, but no, I, I just think it's, you know, if everyone's going to pay down, it's an interesting week to pay up because no one wants to play Travis Kelsey. Everyone suddenly thinks Travis Kelsey is the worst tight end in the league, thinks he's old, even though he's only 32, he's fine. And then uh, Darren Waller's back healthy. He's already practicing. Like we wanted to play Darren Waller in a bounce back spot right before the bye. Like he was one of our favorite plays. And, um, you know, it's only been two weeks. He's just fine. So why wouldn't we play him as well? So I'd like to see where their ownership comes into the top. And then for the cheapies as well, if no offense rolled out, like, why don't we just play Zeke with Alberto? Like Reeves already mentioned Alberto. Yeah. So cheap on DraftKings. And I understand it makes more sense. It's easier to pay up on FanDuel given the structure. Like, but 4,500 for a tight end is still fairly cheap, especially if fans out knowing he's going to run like every single route um, in what we expect to be negative game scripts. So mm-hmm. I even like him on FanDuel as well, if fans out. Waller is going to be popular in FanDuel. Again, he hit by optimal 65%. Can't go any higher than that. Uh, the price seems too cheap. DK, a little I- tougher. Uh, I, I want to play. I want to play Waller and Tony. I, I I would love to play that skinny stack. Yeah. Well, there you go. And that, that's kind of that, that's you know Tony's. How, how cheap is he on Fandle? Where is he at right now? Fifty-seven. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just we gotta wait and see as far as how that Giants. Uh, their receivers. They have a different crew every single week. It seems like see how it shakes out going down this week. But assuming I played, he's good. I played Robbie Anderson at thirteen percent. Little did I know he was going to be thirteen percent. I was pissed <laughs> when I saw that. But uh, if I did that, I'm going to play Kadarius Tony. I don't care. <laughs> Reeves, what's the deal with Tony's tweet tweeting? Am I missing something? Uh, no, he just uh, he defended Henry Ruggs earlier. Oh, geez. Yeah, I didn't see that. But yeah, did he delete it? Or it's just nah, I doubt it. I doubt it. Receivers never delete. No. Yeah. Uh, receivers oh, are snakes in the grass. They'll call themselves that and then go away. They'll log <laughs> off forever and leave it. Just an yeah. awful, awful situation out there in Vegas. Um, all right. Anything else as far as uh, the slate or anything else we should say, or shall we get out of here and step aside and, uh, you know, we, the people listen to us ramble for what, an hour and 10 minutes. That seems good. Yeah, enough, yeah. Right, Reeves? I, I will say, I, I believe when we did talk about the Eagles game, we totally bypassed Dallas Goddard. And, uh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. About him. My you bad. Know, My fault. Yeah. I mean, even, even with them only throwing for hundred yards last week, 72 of them went to Dallas Goddard, who's basically playing like full run, like tight end, like the runway is set for him to be, uh, one of these, uh, you know, kind of a top-notch front half tight ends uh, and is in a great matchup. And the price still hasn't really gotten to where I believe we're going to end. You know, I think he got up to 4-5 on DraftKings. Um, and then he is 6-2, uh, you know, basically living in the Gusecki zone. He's cheaper still than Gusecki. So, uh, and the usage is just so high. So we skipped over him, but he'd, he'd be another guy too that's in the mix this week. Uh, very quickly also before we get out, uh, someone messaged me earlier today. His name is Dighty. He's uh, supposedly, what he told me, an Irishman and living in Chicago. And he said, are you recording that pick six show tonight? Because I have a four-hour flight tomorrow and I love to watch it. And, I, and so, yes, Dighty, I just want to let you know it's now recorded. Thank you for listening.
Shout out Dighty. Maybe, maybe he knows a good out. plumber. Does he have a good does he have a good plumber for you or whatever you need in your we household? We need him, so. <laughs> <laughs> you got a guy. If he's got a guy, yeah, you know, slide to those DMs. Uh, that is the show. That is the NFL Pick 6 show for week nine. We do appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Rich Rebar, you all know him from Sharp Football Analysis. Check him out on Twitter. And come on, at this point, week nine. If you guys aren't following, what are you doing? Same deal with Dago, NBC Sports. Also check out his podcast, a good football show podcast. Here at Rotor Grinders, we're also uh, grinding throughout the week, talking some basketball as well, too. Check out our basketball content. Check out our shows every single day or weekdays, 510 on the East Coast. There you go. Uh, I'm personally taking a peek at basketball right now. Doing my best to just stay concentrated on the show because, yeah, I know, Daniel, you're not a fan of the basketball, are you? It's I heard baseball's fest. over. Baseball is over. Yes, it's officially over. Basketball is the biggest tilt fest in the world, but uh, it's so much fun. It's it's probably my favorite DFS sport. But I, On the contrary, like – I used to love basketball, but uh, then when you're just, when you literally have to stay in the weeds all week long, um, everything loses fun. Life loses fun. So no longer time to watch basketball, but I do love it. You got to be attached to your phone for sure. Like at, at, at the moment's notice, the the slate can, uh, you know, shout out overs that you know, hit the over on overs that mentions of the show. Was that a half? Smash the over. Uh, <laughs> it could, it could definitely flip on its head for sure at, at any moment. And, and I've heard uh, I've heard Roto Grinders Better Collective is doing pretty well in the model street since there's you know there's less competition now. Seems to be like if you have a subscription, you are doing well. There you go. Uh, yeah, you guys can get ten bucks off your first month of RG Premium. We'll go ahead and drop that link in chat for the people as well. Anything for the road rebar? We're good to go. Nope, that sounds good, man. Week nine, fired up. Daigle, you got anything? Nope, that should be it. Uh, Adnan J. Diggle on Twitter, NBCSportsEdge.com, waiver column. Uh, I bet a lot of money on Adrian Peterson and Reeves and I team <laughs> tell him, so I'm going to go look right now and see, <laughs> see if we won Adrian Peterson. And hopefully what what did you bid? How much do you have available and what did you bid? It actually, it actually, Adrian Peterson is going to go for more. Uh, we had 670 left. I bid 241. Adrian right, Peterson. go for more. He'll yeah, I think more. he's going to go for more, unfortunately. Right. Because we I, had Derrick Henry and we lost Derrick Henry. So thus we lost our team. Well, you know, yeah. Skill game. <laughs> that's how it goes. <laughs> it's all skill. That's all skill. rebar. That, that's why you're, you're not supposed to draft until week nine. That, that's you start your draft right now. And then you would know this information. Go, oh, all right. Enough if, they, if they told me to go to Vegas for a main event right now, I'd just be like, guys, there's like, how, what's, what's going on. <laughs> For Rich Rebar, for John Daigle, for Devin producing behind the proverbial glass, this was the NFL Pick 6 Week Show. Uh, Week 9, I was Dean. Thanks for watching. We're out of here.